Well, welcome back. Uh, hope you had a good time of worship together as a family. Uh, happy first Sunday of Advent. Uh, as you can see, we've uh, got the Advent candles. We have the first one lit here this morning. Uh, I'm sorry you can't see the rest of the church. It is, uh, it is beautifully decorated for the Christmas season, but you can at least see uh, the candle in front of me and, and what's behind me as well. And, and of course, the season of Advent is uh, it's that time of year where we look forward to and, and we anticipate the arrival of our Savior. And of course, Jesus, our Savior, was born 2,000 years ago, so that event itself is in the past, but, but during this season we anticipate and look forward to the celebration of his arrival on Christmas Day. And so during this Advent season, for the next four Sundays, we're going to examine a collection of songs in the first two chapters of the Gospel of Luke. And I've entitled this uh, sermon series, Christmas Singing, because th th these are songs that are given to us in, in Luke's gospel. Today, we're going to look at really what is perhaps the crown jewel of the songs in Luke's gospel, and that would be Mary's Magnificat. So we'll be looking at that today. Next week, we're going to look at the song of Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, in uh, the third week of Advent, we will look at the song of the angels as they spoke to the shepherds, uh, along with the song of Simeon in the temple. And then on the final week of Advent, the, the bulk of our morning will be spent worshiping God through song. Uh, Joe Henry will be leading an a cappella group from the area that, that's going to bless us with a number of musical selections that morning. Uh, that group will also be leading us in our time of corporate singing. And then in addition to that, uh, Dusty Roth will be, will be bringing us a, a short homily that morning as well. So it really will be a morning filled with Christmas singing on that fourth Sunday of Advent. Uh, I, I hope that, that it is a wonderful Advent season for us where we can joyfully anticipate the celebration of the birth of Jesus, even if it is maybe in a different kind of Advent season than we've ever experienced before. But that being said, let's, uh, let's begin this season together by dwelling upon Mary's wonderful declaration in the middle of Luke chapter 1. Now I realize this morning that most of us here would be unable to count the number of times that we've heard the Christmas story. We're probably quite familiar with, with just the life of Jesus as it's presented to us in the four Gospels. And we ought to consider that a blessing. That, that is a great blessing. There are far too many people around the world who would not be able to say that same thing. That they've heard the Christmas story over and over and over again. But the name of the game for us this morning as we begin is Fresh Eyes. Fresh eyes. As much as possible, I want us to take in our text today with fresh eyes, as if we've never heard the story of Jesus before. And I know that's kind of tough to do, but, but I want us to give that a try. Because once we've become familiar with the story, it, it really can be pretty easy to 
overlook certain details that, that ought to stand out to us, that ought to shock us when we think about them. For example, uh, when we think about Mary's story, I would encourage you to uh, turn to Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1, as, as we're given the, the Christmas story, in verses 26 down through verse 38, that's where we get the story of the angel appearing to Mary. The, the, the angel Gabriel appearing to Mary, that, that ought to be a bit of a shock. I know we've heard that a number of times, but that should be a shocking thing. The fact that the angel told Mary that she would give birth to a son, that should be shocking because we're told Mary, of course, is a virgin, and yet she is going to have a baby. The angel told Mary that this son would be the son of the Most High God. That ought to be very shocking. I mean, giving birth to the Son of God, that's crazy. The angel appeared to Mary, a woman who was betrothed to Joseph. Now, traditionally, a woman who was betrothed to a man traditionally was about 12 to 14 years old. That probably ought to shock us, that an angel would appear to someone that young with such a history-defining message to proclaim. I mean, when we think about it, there's so many things that, that because we've heard the story so often, we just kind of picture that along with what happened. But, but man, those things are quite extraordinary in nature. Imagine, just imagine being Mary, receiving the news in that way. Imagine that. I mean, angels themselves are frightening enough. That, that's why they're always having to tell people not to be afraid when they appear. So to have an angel appear before you and, and, and then to receive the news that she did, it must have left her with so many questions so many concerns. Maybe this is why her first response was in verse 34, how will this be? How will this be? Valid question, right? Well, after some further explanation, the, 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 uh, after further explanation from the angel, Mary finally responds with, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Wow, what, a, what an extraordinary statement. Now, I have no doubt that Mary still had plenty of questions. But to submit herself to God in that way, in the midst of those questions, is incredible. And I think even in that, there's a good, a good challenge for us. Is it safe to say that we typically desire to have all of our questions answered before we submit ourselves to God's work? I mean, I, I know I would default to functioning in that way. Mary shows us that a complete set of answers is not required for submission to God. But even in the midst of her submission to God, let's not forget that this is still an unwed, pregnant young woman living in a culture where the letter of the law demanded that she be stoned to death. <clears throat> Her submission to God does not change that. Now, there's evidence that the law was not always carried out consistently at that time, but nonetheless, she found herself in a very precarious situation, perhaps even a fearful situation. 
And it really makes me wonder, how much joy did Mary feel in those early days of her pregnancy, especially when she first found out? How much joy did she have? I think any of you moms who, who have experienced an unexpected or an uncertain or a difficult pregnancy might be able to relate to Mary in this situation. You know, for you, the, the love of your unborn child was probably always there, but maybe the joy wasn't immediately there. I mean, perhaps it took weeks or even months before you began to feel that joyful emotion. You know, I, I get the sense as I read Luke chapter 1 with fresh eyes that Mary might have been in that kind of a spot. If she was joyful and if she was jubilant right off the bat, then I think her Magnificat would have been immediately after verse 38. But it's not. That's not the order of things in Luke's gospel. The next thing that we see is that Mary left town and went to visit her relative Elizabeth. And this is where we get the, uh, the story, verses 39 through 45, where as soon as Mary gets to the house, John the Baptist, inside of Elizabeth's womb, leaps for joy. And it's in that moment that Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, speaks words of joy and blessing into Mary's life. Look at, look at verse uh, 42, Luke 1, 42. Elizabeth says, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Blessed are you among women. I wonder if, if prior to Elizabeth's statement, if Mary had ever thought about her situation in that way. I don't know. I, it's speculation. I don't know. But, but we're not given any indication that, that she's bubbling over with joy at this point. Remember, she's a pregnant unmarried woman who could be lawfully stoned to death. This is such a blessing might not have been the first thing that, that comes to her mind. Now, she obviously submitted herself to God's working in her life, but, but we've yet to read of any hint of joy in Luke's gospel. But it, it's the older, more mature Elizabeth, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, who rightly understands the situation and proclaims blessing over Mary. And she concludes her statement in verse 45 by saying, Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. I think we're led to understand that it took Elizabeth's proclamation in Mary's life before she finally came to understand the incredible blessing of her situation. I think this is why Mary's Magnificat comes next in the text. She wasn't prepared to make a statement like the Magnificat after that initial shock of everything. But now, now that someone else has, has spoken words of truth and blessing over her, the great words of verses 46 through 55 are going to come. And before we dive into Mary's song this morning, let me, just, let me just give a quick challenge from that previous passage. You may look at yourself. You may look at your own life, uh, your own 
current situation and and you may be in a spot where where up here up here you believe that God is in control and, and and that things will be fulfilled according to his word but here in your heart you may not be feeling the joy it just might not be there right now and and I think if you are in that kind of a situation, I think that's okay. I think that's okay. I think that Mary shows us that the joy doesn't have to immediately follow the belief. It may require the passage of some time before the joy is felt. It, it may require someone speaking the right words to us like Elizabeth did with Mary. What I take away from, from the setup of the Magnificat is that the great proclamation which we are about to read are words that Mary truly felt and truly believed, that she truly did have joy. But because she didn't rush through the process, because she didn't pretend right away that everything is all right, I think that's why we can read and, and know that she is feeling these words that are coming from her. She truly does feel the joy and the blessing of her situation as she speaks these words. So with that being said, let's, let's read what Mary has to say. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Now that's just the first half, but the first half of this song is all about Mary's personal experience. As I said, she, she has come to the place where she can authentically magnify the Lord. She freely rejoices in God, her Savior. And the reason she's able to do that, I think, is, is because she has begun to see the bigger picture of what is taking place in her and through her. She's not just an unwed, pregnant young woman. She's a humble woman who will be called blessed for all generations. And isn't that true? Isn't that true even to today? Don't we still look upon Mary today as someone greatly blessed by God with the privilege of giving birth to the Savior? Mary had seen the mighty God do great things for her. She, she would soon give birth to God's Son even while remaining a virgin. That, that is a great thing. That's a miracle that Mary was blessed to experience firsthand. Mary feared God and honored him, and, and, and so she knew that his mercy would be upon her. Even in the midst of all her questions and her uncertainty, she devoted herself to God as his servant. Th these are things which she maybe didn't have in mind at first, but now that she's processing everything, she's come to see the incredible blessing of her situation. And again, this is Mary's personal experience. 
in the first half of this song, but I think it's still something to which we can relate. It, it, it reminds me of, of some of the words that Mary's son would later speak on the mountain, where he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Those are probably all statements that, that, that we've heard many times through the years. Perhaps we, we believe in our head that those things are true, but, but when it comes to the blessings associated with those statements, we might not always experience the blessings right away. It might require the passing of some time or, or some expanded vision, just like required for Mary in her own personal situation. So for example, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's the blessing, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In the heat of the moment, we may not feel that blessing. In the midst of persecution, we may simply feel the suffering of that situation. But, but whether it's in this life or whether it's in heaven, in the next life, the, the joy will come because of that promise of the kingdom of heaven. It may not be there right in that instant, but the joy will come. Or, or blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. In the midst of, of, of pain and agony, we may not feel the blessing right away. But as, as the promise of God is fulfilled and we experience the comfort that he gives, we will come to experience the blessing. We will come to know the blessing of a deepened and more intimate relationship with God. The words which Elizabeth spoke to Mary may not have been felt immediately by Mary. Blessed are you among women. She may not have felt that right away. But... But as God continued to work in her life, she eventually did come to the place where she was able to proclaim that her spirit rejoiced in God, her Savior. In Christ, we are all blessed. May not always feel like it. There, there may be times where we struggle to find joy, but as we hang on to God and his promises for us, I have faith that, that the joy will come. The joy will come to us. That's, that's the testimony which Mary speaks regarding her own situation. That's also the testimony that I think Mary speaks regarding the situation of her people in general, of the Jews in general. Uh, look with me at verse 51. At this point, Mary's song shifts, and, and it shifts from her own personal situation to, to something much larger. She says, He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers to Abraham and to his offspring forever. 
And again, let, let's, let's, let's try to hear this passage as if we've not heard Luke's story of Jesus before. Mary is speaking these words because of the Son of God, which she carries in her womb. The words that she speaks ought to instantly remind God's people of the ways that he has worked in the past. So, for example, he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. That would remind people of, uh, uh, remind God's people of the story of Nebuchadnezzar. In Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar is up on the roof of his palace. He's taking pride in, in all that, that he had built and that he had accomplished. He attributed everything to himself. And Nebuchadnezzar had apparently forgotten the fact that he had been warned in a dream about a year before that, that, that he needed to change his prideful ways. But he didn't. Nebuchadnezzar didn't change his prideful ways, and, and God humbled him by driving him out of the city where, where Nebuchadnezzar then went mad and basically acted like an animal for, for seven years. God's people could reflect on the fact that, that he is a God who scatters the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. Mary also said he has brought down the mighty from their thrones. That would bring to mind another story, this time of Nebuchadnezzar's son, Belshazzar. In Daniel chapter 5, Belshazzar is, he is desecrating the sacred objects from God's temple by, by using them in a wild party, celebrating different idols. And at that moment, a hand appears and it writes on the wall. And, and so Daniel is brought in and he interprets the message. The Babylonian kingdom has come to an end and it's going to be conquered by the Medes and the Persians. And wouldn't you know it, that very night, Darius the Mede conquers and kills Belshazzar. The kingdom of Babylon fell to the Medes and the Persians. God's people could have thought back and remembered how he had brought down the mighty from their thrones. And then further, throughout the history of God's people, he's, he's shown himself to be one who, who shows strength by exalting those of humble estate and filling the hungry or the needy with good things. That, that's the basic story of Israel, when you think about it. They were not a people who conquered the land and found blessing because of their own strength and valor. It was only because of God's mighty hand working through them. It, it was seen in their deliverance from Egypt. It was seen in their conquering of the promised land. It was seen in their ability to defeat um, conquering enemies who attacked them and vastly outnumbered them. In fact, it was only when God's people began to rely on themselves and reject God that they suffered defeat and exile. So, so throughout history, God has exalted those who are poor and humble and weak. That's exactly what Mary proclaims in verses 51 through 57. But her words aren't just a history lesson. They're also a prophecy of what is to come. They are a prophecy regarding the baby in her womb. One of the reasons that we will know that her baby is the Son of God is because he's going to continue to carry out those very same acts. As, as Jesus began his public ministry as an adult, I listened to what he said in the synagogue in his hometown. And this is recorded in Luke chapter 4. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, 
to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In other words, Jesus was continuing the work and the ministry of his Father. He too exalted the poor and the humble and the weak in the world. They were the ones who were drawn to him. They were the ones who found life through him. Just as blessing came upon humble Mary, so God will bring blessing upon all those who humble themselves before him. God has proved that by his past activity. Jesus would continue to prove that through his earthly ministry. And we can know that God continues to work in that way today. We could probably all come up with a list of reasons why God should choose to reject us. Our list would be filled with things that we probably aren't proud of. But our past mistakes, our, our feelings of inadequacy or insignificance, they, they must not keep us from coming humbly to God. I'm sure Mary could have given plenty of reasons why, why she didn't deserve to be the mother of Jesus. I know that, that Catholic doctrine will sometimes speak of Mary as without sin, but, but there's nothing in the Bible to, to affirm that doctrine. She, she was a fallen human just like anybody else. But in her humility before God, he worked a miracle in and through her. The people whom God chose to be his special nation showed time and time again why they didn't deserve to be God's chosen people. The Old Testament is filled with stories of their rejection of God and their, their disobedience to, to his ways. And yet, as they humbled themselves before God and submitted themselves to him, they saw him do incredible things in and through them. Again, we too, we have reasons why we don't deserve God to do great things in our lives. But as we humble ourselves before God and submit to him, I have faith that we'll be blessed and he'll remember us in his mercy and fulfill his promises in and through us. Mary worshiped God through her Magnificat. And, and you and I will probably never author anything quite like that, you know, being under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But that doesn't mean that we can't magnify our Lord and rejoice in God, our Savior. As we humble ourselves before God and as we allow his great power to work within us, I have faith that, that we'll bring glory to him and we'll find ourselves rejoicing in him as we walk the path that he places before us. God, as we come to you this morning, I, I, I just I thank you. I thank you for this song from Mary. I thank you for the wonderful truths that it proclaims. God, but I thank you even for the story leading up to the song. I thank you that we can kind of see this journey that, that uh, Mary maybe went on from first receiving this news and having all these questions and 
and the confusion that came with it and, and submitting herself and then, and then finally coming to the place of joy in her life where she worships you because of what you're doing. And God, I pray that that would be a challenge for us this morning, that, that we would submit ourselves to you even when we're just not sure how you're working, even when we have lots of questions about how you're leading us. But God, I pray that you would remind us that, that even if the joy isn't there in that very moment, that, that you've promised to bring blessing. And so God, I pray that we can in a hopeful manner, look forward to the joy that you've promised will come. God, we thank you that you even work in us and through us to begin with. God, may we never get to a prideful place in our lives where we assume that you should work in us, but may we always be humble before you, receiving whatever it is that you have for us. God, we love you this morning. We thank you. We thank you that you chose someone like Mary. We thank you that you choose people like us. And so, God, it's because of that that we worship you and we humble ourselves before you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, as we did earlier, uh, we will put the two closing songs for this morning up on the screen. And again, I would just encourage you to, um, to search those out on YouTube and close by singing those two songs together. God bless you.